Hi, welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We're very glad you're joining us today and we hope this message inspires you, builds your faith and encourages you in the things of God. Enjoy the message. Thank you, Pastor Nick. Oh, it's good to be here. Have a, a genuinely, you know, sometimes you say that maybe out of a little bit of formality, but tonight there's a genuineness in my heart. It's so good to be here and just to recognize and honor what God is doing on a Wednesday night and uh, what I feel so privileged to be a part of. It's becoming one of my favorite meetings to be a part of. Not necessarily sharing, but being, but imbibing and, and being here and hearing what God's been speaking. We've been greatly rich on Sunday, and the spillover is happening here, and, and I'm just so happy to be with here um, as a minister and part of that, growing together, because we all are growing together. I know sometimes, you know, you might think that the, the pastors have arrived, but that's so far from the truth. Uh, you know, God is, we're on our own faith journey and we're on this journey together. We're growing together. And that's a great thing. It's a great thing. And God's doing something very rich and very special. So I have a great deal of gratitude in my heart. And I want to give honor to that because I believe God is doing something. And my prayer for this house, for our family here, um, is that, that we would go from strength to strength. And I think this is the heart of God for any believer, for any family, for any part of the body that uh, we would go from one measure of faith to another, from strength to strength, increasing in God's fullness and being conformed more and more into his likeness. This is the heart of God uh, until there's a noticeable maturing, until there's, a, there's, a, there's something that is recognizable about us that's a mark of, of Christ. And that is the heart of God. And our job and our calling as ministers is to aid that and to help that and to encourage that. And I'm so glad to be part of a great team that is doing that week after week uh, for years now, faithfully ministering the Word of God uh, and working towards that. And and our heart and our desire is to invest ourselves uh, into this work so this house can be strengthened, so this house can be built, right? So we have a responsibility. I have a responsibility. And every time we come to the pulpit, there's there's that weight. There's that thing that grips your heart that you know you're there for a purpose to bring edification, uh, encouragement, uh, correction if needs be, growth for the benefit of the body. So this is for your benefit. This is to, to expand your view of God, to, to open up your understanding of Christ, of his word, his will, to make it plain, to speak plainly. And so you know his will, his heart, and his plan for your life. And it's, it, you can know the will of God for your life. You can know his plan. You can know these things. It's not a mystery any longer. Although we live by faith and, and sometimes we are, there are things that we don't know. There are some things that we can know most assuredly. And as we go through the word, uh, as we're going to look at even tonight, as we expand our understanding, we can know what the will of God is for ourselves. Isn't that wonderful? And not only expand our view of God, but also as, as that expands, our worldview expands. Our, the, we, we begin to look at the world through a different lens, through a different way. We look at the world completely different, uh, and it shapes our worldview and, and how we see our community, 
how we see our neighbors, how we see our jobs, how we see our educational processes. We begin to look at things very differently as God shapes our vision, as he consumes our hearts and our minds, and we get directed in his word. And then as we come into this greater view of Christ, Jesus said it very clearly. He said, your whole body, when it's full of light, he says, or sorry, he says, the greater your light within, Jesus says, your whole body will be filled with light. Your whole life is going to be touched. Your whole life is going to be transformed, right? So there's this transformation that is happening. This is happening in our lives. We are being renewed by the Spirit. We're being built up by the Word of God and in the presence of angels, in the presence of the body, in the presence of the world. God is doing a work in our lives. And as God transforms us, we become agents of transformation in our community. And I was so glad that Pastor Nick got up and prayed that way because that is exactly what we're going to talk about tonight, uh, being these agents of transformation in the world around us. Uh, You are, whether you realize it or not, whether you've come into that understanding or not, you are an agent of transformation. You are a vessel that is filled with another life. And that life of Jesus is from another world. It's from a different kingdom, right? doesn't operate on the principles of this world. It's a higher principle. It's a greater principle. It's a greater power, a greater love, a greater grace, a greater stability, a greater peace. And that life that is within you right now has already triumphed. It has already overcome darkness. It has already put darkness to an open shame on the cross. The same life that is in you now was there at the cross was in the, it was in the body of Christ when he was raised from the dead. This is what the Bible teaches. And that overcoming life is dwelling within you at this very moment. It resides within you. So dwelling in you at this moment is a life that is not your life. It's a different life, but it is a life from heaven. The spirit of God that is like no other. A spirit that cannot and will never be overcome by what is in this world. A spirit that is already overcome, amen? A spirit that is already broken through the victory and brought life. And it will never be overcome in this present age or the age to come. Hallelujah. That triumphant spirit is living in you at this moment. You may not feel that way, but that is the reality for every child of God. You are a vessel bearing in your weakness the greatest life that has ever lived. And God wants that life to grow. God wants that life to be fed and be manifested in this world. You are here as a vessel to manifest a life that is greater than your own life. And that begins on a very personal level at first in personal transformation. That begins in our walk with God. Pastor Patrick talked about having a, 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 a prayer life. That is one of the things there's as, as we engage in a personal, intimate relationship with God, personal transformation begins to happen. And the things in our immediate sphere of life, the things in our immediate sphere, our mind, our hearts, our emotions, our spirit begins to get transformed by the spirit of God. This is what the Bible teaches. And from that place of personal transformation, 
and gospel regeneration, we become inhabited by God's spirit, temples of the Holy Spirit, and his spirit then begins to open our minds and hearts, expanding us and growing us in his grace to be these great vessels of honor. Hallelujah. You and I are chosen by God to be great vessels of honor in this world. There's a mark of God on our life. There's a call of God on your life that is effectual to bring God honor and to bring him to reputation. This is what the Bible says about you. This is God's heart towards you. And tonight, I want to. my task is to enable that, to inspire that, to, to go into the word and expand our understanding by explanation and, and bringing out God's word so you can be a vessel that brings Christ to reputation wherever you go. Right? That's, that's my job tonight is to edify, build you up so that you become a greater vessel of transformation, not just for yourself, not just for your family, but for your community around you. Tonight, we're going to look at this word in Jeremiah. We're going to, if you'll turn to Jeremiah 29, we're going to look at familiar verse of scripture. We're going to go through that. You may know 2911. Almost everybody knows Jeremiah 29, 11, right? Uh, so we're going we're gonna to look at that, but that's not the key text. But tonight I want to talk to you about a letter from heaven to you. A letter from heaven to you. So I want you to personalize this tonight because I really feel by the Holy Spirit that this is a message to us. This is something that God is speaking to every believer. To every believer This letter is written, and it's written to us to encourage us, to inspire us, and to give us the courage to keep on going, to give us the courage to live in the world that we're living in. And and we want to I want to put this into a context tonight, um, and I want this to be an inspiration that God's grace would embolden our faith tonight, that God's grace would give us strength to live in our community, to live out in our community all that God has planned for us, that God has planted us here in Cork City or wherever you are watching tonight. God has planted you there for a purpose. It's God's plan for you to be where you are right now. So get that out of your mind. You're not here by accident. You're not here by some mistake. God has directed your life to where you are at this moment if you are his child. And God is at the, the, the helm of the will of your life, and he is directing you, and he has planted you here. And I want to hear what the word of God has to say to us tonight. Jeremiah 29, we're going to read a lengthy piece of passage of scripture, but you'll understand why as we go through it. Verse 1, now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the residue of the elders of the captivity and to the priests and to the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. After that, Jeconiah, the king, and the queen mother, and the eunuchs, and the princes of Judah and Jerusalem, and the craftsmen and the smiths were departed from Jerusalem by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent into Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, so this is the word, this is the letter that is being sent from God through Jeremiah living in Jerusalem over into what is modern-day Iraq. 
into, a, into the Jews that have been carried away. This is a letter from heaven. Listen to what it says. Thus says Jehovah of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all the captivity whom I've caused to be carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon, build you houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take you wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply you there and be not diminished. Everybody say, be not diminished. That's wonderful. And seek the peace of that city, of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive and pray to Jehovah for it, for in the peace thereof shall you have peace. For thus says Jehovah of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets that are in the midst of you and your diviners deceive you. Neither hearken you to their dreams, which you cause to be, which you cause to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, says Jehovah, for thus says Jehovah, after 70 years are accomplished for Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and causing you to return to this place. Verse 11, familiar. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says Jehovah, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you hope in your latter end. And you shall call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will listen to you. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all of your heart. What we read here is a letter from the prophet Jeremiah to the Jews that have been carried away to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had invaded Judah. He had rallied his troops and his soldiers in. He had sought peace with Jerusalem. He had sought peace with the princes there and told them, look, look, if you will, if you will just bend the knee, if you'll just subjugate yourselves to me, I won't touch you. I won't come and harm you. Just pay a fee, pay a tax and we'll get on just fine, but don't resist me. But the rebellion in the heart of the Jews at that time, not seeing and understanding what God's will was, they resisted the will of God was ultimately was for them to sub submit to the king of the, the king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar. And, and so, uh, to bring them into a place of rebuke, to bring them into a place of chastisement, God sent this king in, and in the year 605 BC, he invaded from what would have been from the east. He came in with a large army and surrounded the city. And in 605, he took at least 10,000 captives, Jewish captives, away out of the city. Didn't harm the city, didn't do anything, but brought all of these Jews, these 10,000 plus Jews out of the city. And, and they, he relocated them in Babylon, in the, in the capital city, Babylon. He took all of the best. And the brightest, the young professionals, the brightest, the brightest princes, the smartest scholars, and and with the uh, and he brought the best craftsmen. The Bible says back to Babylon with a dual purpose. First of all, he wanted to weaken the Jews and their stubbornness, and he thought by doing this they would ultimately submit. That he would remove the opposition, those opposing forces, and through that there would be peace. He didn't want war; he wanted peace. He wanted to subjugate them, but he didn't want war with them. And so he thought that it would bring peace. He thought that, that, that it would weaken them to a point where they would submit to him. 
And that didn't happen, and, and 10 years later he comes in, destroys the city, and takes many, many, many more thousands of Jews captive to Babylon. But in this first captivity, he takes the cream of the crop, the Bible says, and he takes them there for, to weaken the Jews, but he also took them there to reprogram them to what's called Babylonize them. It sounds like something, you know, some, some, some sort of program or something. But that was his plan is to weaken them, but also to, to take away their Jewish identity, to take away their, their, their monotheistic belief that there's only one God and their distinctions and to assimilate them into Babylonian society so that he could change and he could rule them and there would be less resistance. So that was his plan to take them out of their culture and take the culture out of them and change them and to conform them to a Babylonian culture. Then the Babylonian culture and their society was vastly different than the Jewish society. The Jews were a, a, a people of laws that were given by God, by Moses, by revelation. They believed in one God and they worshiped that one God. But Babylon was completely different. It was polytheistic, meaning that it believed in many gods. It was pluralistic and every, every belief was validated there in their culture. Personal faith was privatized. You could have your personal faith just as long as it didn't interfere with your public life. Does that sound familiar? You can maintain your personal, private, conscious beliefs, but it better not spill over into the marketplace. It better not come into the halls of power. It better not come into the educational system. You can keep it private. We'll accept all the gods, but none of them are going to be out there. You're not going to be in a place where, where, your, where your God is going to be the only one. And so he brought peace through this 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 arrangement with all the people from different remember it wasn't just the Jews he was bringing in other cultures other people there and there were all these people groups coming into Babylon and he did the same thing to all the people that he so he he let them worship in private who their god was but ultimately he was trying to change them and this was this was seen if you read the book of Daniel you'll understand this but all gods were mostly equal in Babylon and all gods were accepted there so the exclusive claims of the Jews that God, Jehovah, was the only one true God could, could, could be believed in, but, but public acknowledgement was not allowed. Was not allowed. It was, it, and, and as we draw those parallels, we can see that today. We can see that Babylon, that system, even though, you know, we're not in Iraq, we're not in ancient Babylon, we are definitely living in an age of pluralism and polytheism, that it's okay for you to hold your beliefs in private, but don't bring them into the marketplace. Don't bring them into the halls of power. Don't bring them into your classrooms. Don't bring that here. It's okay. You can believe in your Jesus. You can believe in your one God. You can believe in gospel. You can believe in two genders. You can believe these things if you want to, but woe be to the one that begins to step up publicly and begin to take a stand and be distinct. And that's the way it was in Babylon. And so it is the way that it is today. 
These distinctions have no place in government, no place in education. So what Nebuchadnezzar did was Babylonize everyone, all these captives. And when he brought them back from his conquest, and you see that, as I said before, as you read the book of Daniel, as he changed all their names, made them eat different food, made them dress differently, made them sound different. He did all of these things as he carted them off to Babylon. And, and you see, uh, you see that happening as, as the, as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to go through the higher educational system of Babylon. They, they had to go through the same classes that the witches and the warlocks. They were forced into this, into classrooms, into places where you and I would think, my God, that's no place for a Christian to be. But these men, these men that God had called and God had empowered were in these very dark places, in these halls of power, in these places, and these positions, and God used them mightily there. God used them mightily in those places that you think that God could never use someone. God shows up. God shows up. So what ends up happening to most of the captives is that they wind up uh, the, the Jewish captives is that they, instead of settling in the city, because Babylon to them was, a, was an abomination. It, it was, it, imagine coming from Jerusalem. And, and even with your, if you're just caught up in the religion, you are now confronted with, with, with the greatest technology, the greatest, you know, the newest ideas and all of these different gods and this culture that is so pagan. And so what they did, they didn't settle in the city. They settled in a, in a Jewish settlement, and they began to settle in this town called Nippur, away from Babylon. And they were told by these false prophets, and this is what they told them, that, that they would only be in Babylon for two years. This isn't going to be long. It's going to be a short stint. So they were told by these false prophets to separate from the capital city of Babylon, to reject Babylonian culture and ways and wait for their return. This, this culture is going to be judged. Separate from it. Don't have anything to do with it. Live separately. Live separately. Don't engage it. Move away from it. Create a, a holy huddle as it is on the outskirts. Don't be part of the culture. Don't, don't, don't invest yourself there at all. At all. And, and we come to find out that God says, these men that are telling you this don't have my heart. These men that are prophesying and telling you these things do not know the mind of God. Because they, they were in fear that they would, they would just assimilate and their, their distinctions would be lost in two or three generations. There'd be no more Jews. There'd be no more of those distinctions. So that's what they were afraid of. And you can understand their mindsets. You can understand the fear that they were surrounded with. And, and these folks were promised by these false prophets that God was going to judge Babylon and that they would be at the head of culture again, that they would be put back in place. And so this is what many Jews did. There were thousands of Jews living outside of Babylon. They were waiting for God to bring the Babylonian, to, the Babylonian empire to its knees and they would be put back on top culturally. So when we come to Jeremiah 29, God instructs Jeremiah to write this letter from heaven to all the captives that have now been lied to and that have been encouraged to sit back and wait for judgment that wasn't coming right away. 
They thought it was going to be two years, but Jeremiah says, oh no, 70 years, you're going to be here. There's a judgment coming, but it's a future judgment. And before that judgment comes, God has a word to you as you live in this pluralistic, polytheistic society. And it is not to separate. It is not to be disengaged. It is not to unplug and be so to yourselves that you have no power, you have no witness. And that's what we get in this letter. And this letter would shape the foundation. Remember, Daniel's a very young man. He, this letter's written to him. This is in the first year that he gets there. And he's been told by these false prophets, let's separate. Whatever they try and get you to do, don't do it. Don't be a part of their, don't be a civic leader. Don't go into those halls of, of, of dark magic. Don't go in there. Separate yourselves from that. And this word comes to these young professionals, which I love this. I think it's great. These guys who are young, they're smart, they're intelligent, they're gifted. And, and they're, these false prophets are trying to keep them back and keep them huddled together in, in this place of fear. But God says, no, no, I don't want that for you. I've got a different plan for you. And, and this letter shapes the foundations of Daniel's life. If you read Daniel's life, it's this letter that releases him into his ministry. It's this letter that releases him to be the man that God wants him to be. It's this letter that brings liberty to him and says, oh, wait, wait a minute. This is not, this isn't the, the greatest place to be, but it's where God has planted me. And God, and there's a freedom that came into his life to live for God and to find God in that situation. And so that's what begins to happen. And, and, and Daniel, as a result of this, becomes a major leader in a pagan pluralistic government. You think it's bad now. You think there are culture wars now. We, we don't have it half as bad as Daniel did in Babylon. I mean, open animal sacrifice, temple prostitution, you name it. Pedophilia of children, rape, abuse was rampant in that system, in those systems of worship. And he had to go through that and walk through that every day and live in that every day. And so He's in that place in the, and he's used by God to bring God to reputation in spite of the darkness surrounding him. I find courage in this. I find courage in this. Because if God can keep Daniel before the cross in Babylon, what does that say for us on this side of the cross? What does that say to you and I living in a world that is sliding fast into hell? that is rejecting every idea, every truth of God's word, changing the natural order of everything. What does that say to us? What does that give us? Does that not give us a courage and a boldness to address this and to, and to not shrink back? I think it surely does. I think it, it speaks to us where we are. This is what God said to the exiles in his letter. This is what he says, and this helped shape Daniel, and I hope it helps shape you tonight as we head towards the end of this message. Jeremiah 29.4, Thus saith Jehovah of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all the captivity, who I've caused to be carried away captive. The first thing he says, verse 5, notice what God says, Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take wives, have children, have grandchildren, Multiply, be fruitful, don't be diminished. That's amazing. And seek the peace of the city. 
that I've called you to. Pray for it, he says. God speaks directly into their lives and tells them three very distinct things. Listen what he says. Put down roots. Put down roots. I've called you. Put down roots. Raise a fruitful family. And seek for God's best in the place where you are planted. That's what he says. Put down roots. Acknowledge that God has a plan for you where you are. Find your place in that and put down roots into that soil. Put down roots into gospel-centered soil. Put down roots where you are. And there I'm going to bless you. Raise a fruitful family. And he's speaking to the fathers. He's speaking to the men. Take wives. And he's speaking to the young men. Take wives for yourself. Have children in that place. Build houses, all of these things, and, and pray the heart of God over your city. Grab the heart of God for the culture around you. Don't let culture grab your heart, but let God's heart grip you for the culture around you. And this word, this letter, must have been so freeing for many of those that got this in the post. I want you to imagine, they're there, they're in fear, they're wondering what's going to happen. They're, these false prophets are saying one thing, and then this, this lightning bolt comes in the mail, in the post. I would, I'd have loved to heard that read out, because I could imagine, man, you mean they're walking around, you mean, you mean God's got a plan for for us? You, you, you mean God, that, I, know, I know we're not in Jerusalem, we're, we're nowhere near the temple, but you mean God is here as well? You, you mean that God can use me here in this pagan, polytheistic, pluralistic, have faith in your bedroom and not in, in work? God can use me here? God can, God can do something for me here where I'm at? God can, God can release me to be something in this culture? And that's what God tells them. I've put you where you are. It's my plan so you can rest in my direction. Get a job. That's what he tells them. You can't, you can't build a house without a job. Come on, folks. Pursue a career. Pursue a career. Get a job. Get an education. Build a house. Raise a family. And love where you are. And seek the, the shalom of, of the peace of God for your community. What a command, what a blessing, what a release in this letter from heaven. And this is powerful. I'm with you in Babylon. I'm with you in this. I've put you here for a reason. Now be fruitful and pray. Isn't that wonderful? That's a simple Christian life. Be fruitful and pray. Isn't that wonderful? It's not complicated. Put down roots, get a career, raise a family, and pray for your community. And what a confidence must have been injected in them. Now, we know some of them didn't listen because this is what they didn't want to hear. They didn't want to hear this, and so they rejected it. Some went too far in their settling down in Babylon. Some of this used this for lasciviousness. Let's get it straight. Some of them thought, oh, God says I can just go and live and, and, and just assimilate I could just go and live just like the Babylonians, and God's going to be with me. Others heard this and ignored it uh, 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 and, and still separated, still stayed away from it. But there were some that heard this word, that knew their God. 
were strong and did exploits. They seized upon this God-given moment as a God-ordained moment in their history and saw God do amazing things in their community. They seized this letter and said, this is for me. This word is for me. I can see Daniel taking it. Let me read that again. God's called me here. I'm not here by accident. I'm going to put down roots here. I'm going to trust God in this, and I'm going to seek the peace, the shalom, in a multidimensional way in my community. And I believe this word is for every believer in Christ. Because as I said in the beginning, we are living in spiritual Babylon, and it's not going to get any better. There'll never be a reformation uh, like was in Europe years ago where it was a Christian, you know, you know pseudo-Christian, religious moralism and all of that, theocratic, it's not going to be. Folks, that's gone. And the Bible is very clear that that is not going to happen again until Jesus comes back to this earth. We are going to be living and have to face this. We're going to have to face it. We're living in a culture that's pluralistic. And it's not interested in public displays of faith and practice. So God speaks to every believer this pattern for life, no matter where we live. Put down roots. Raise a family that's godly. If you can't physically do that, then sow into the body of Christ. Sow into the family of God in God's house. Love your community. Seek God's shalom on a multidimensional scale in the culture, in the economy, in the marketplace. And I want to look at this first command just for a few minutes, this command to build houses, this, this, this thought of putting down roots, because there's a way of this. There's something I want to draw out for just give me eight, nine minutes and we'll be done. But there's, there's, there's something here in God telling them to put down roots that speaks on so many different levels. And, and, and I want to talk about you and I engaging and investing in the place where God has planted us. Right here in Cork City, or wherever you are watching tonight, God has planted us here. And we've got three options. There's really three options of living our lives where God has planted us. And the first is the wrong way that Jeremiah rebuked, that Jeremiah said, this is not God's way. And that is to separate yourself. To, to not invest yourself or engage your community to live an exemplary, morally superior life that has no value to people around you. To live with high spiritual, moral, and I'm not, I'm not downing morality. Hear me that. Hear, okay? We're not, I'm not doing that. But to live in such a way morally that you think that, that spiritually God expects you just to separate from society altogether and to look down your nose and, and to, to create a holy huddle, a Christian bubble, a subculture, that, that we make it so comfortable here for ourselves that the whole city around us doesn't even know we're here, doesn't even know that there's a, a light in us, doesn't even know that there's a God in us, doesn't even, have, doesn't even identify us as anything because we've just so separated ourselves. And that's easy to do. That's very easy to do. That's something that, that you know, in, in myself, you know, that would be something that would, would, would appeal to me is that I, I don't really want to be a part of this culture. So I'd like to create something that makes my life more comfortable while I sojourn here. 
And this is what God rebukes. He says, no, I don't want you to live that way. I don't want you to live in a holy huddle. I don't want you to cut yourself off, to be a people under yourselves, afraid of the world around you, afraid to be contaminated and overcome. There is no victory in this life. There's no victory in that life. There's no fruit in this life. There's no value in me cutting myself off from my community. Jesus made it clear that we are a city on a hill, not a light under a bushel. Jesus made it clear. I'm going to do something in your life, put a life within you that's greater than that life in the world, and that light is going to be greater than the darkness around you. And I'm going to hold you up as a trophy. I'm going to hold you up as a people that I've redeemed. And you're not to live a life that is not invested in your community. That we are to invest ourselves in people. We are to pour ourselves out, as Pastor Nick was saying there. Be aware of the people around us where we can take the gospel light and life into. I'll skip some of this. Secondly, we can engage the world around us by doing the opposite. We can assimilate. And many Jews did that. They assimilated. They lost their distinctives. They, they caved and their altar or worship to God became very private. And there was, no, there was no handing down. There was nothing that they gave to their progenity. There was nothing of any value. This call to live out a life with God and in, engage in, in where we live isn't a call to assimilate either. To go so far the other way that we lose our distinctions. That we take up everything Babylonian because it's an easier path, because it makes us more acceptable, more likable, more palatable. So many Christians have succumbed to that mindset. Pastor Patrick talked about it a little bit last week, that, that there's a grace that is a lascivious grace that teaches us to assimilate barroom ministry. All of that stuff that goes with it, that we do everything that everybody else does, and we don't challenge darkness. We don't challenge anything around us. Our life has no power. It has no, nothing of profundity in it because we are just like everybody else, washed out and powerless. You can have a private faith that will be of no public value. And it will not be a fruitful faith that brings personal growth or invite the blessings and miracle power of God into your life. I'll say it again. You can have a private faith that's of no public value and it will not be a, a fruitful faith that brings personal growth or invite the blessings and miracle power of God into your life. It will be powerless and without any effect to those around you. Paul says we are led as sheep among wolves, not wolves among wolves. That's what Paul says. We are led by the Holy Spirit on the balanced and even ground. And here it is. We're not called to separate holy so that we create some comfortable subculture that winds up fruitless and inbred and aberration. Nor are we called to assimilate and swallow every liberal, satanic, and sinful philosophy. That's not what we're called to. And brokering some sort of false peace. We're not called to that. 
We can acknowledge the brokenness in society without pretending that everything is all right with the world around us. We are led into the tension. Hear me. And this is the crux of the message. We are led into the tension between the two of these. We are called to live a life of distinction. We are called to live a life of distinction. And this is the life of the cross. This is the life that Jesus said will cost you. This is the life that you bear your cross wherever you go. And you, and you identify with him, the crucified one that was taken without the camp. Because of his love for the community. And because of his unwillingness to separate like the holier than thou Pharisees. And because of his unwillingness to bend the knee and assimilate like the Sadducees. The one that was crucified by both of those parties for the sake of the community. That is what we're called to. We are called to distinction. Buy a house, settle down, invest where you are. But let it be a house that is marked out by distinction. Isn't that wonderful? And that's what happened with Daniel and his friends. They didn't decide to not participate in life, nor did they let the culture of Babylon rob them of their identity. They were distinct, which did bring conflict, which did bring hardship, which did bring difficulty, but they did not shrink away from it. They didn't pull back and, and, and go into a shell or a holy huddle. And what happened? God brought forth the fruit of his life through them. Hallelujah. In that place of conflict, in that place of tension, in that place of distinction, the Holy Spirit broke through in their lives. And men saw someone standing in the fire. Men saw and heard a voice from God that gave a clear distinction and spoke to a mad king and, and made a decree that there was only one God. God broke through in these men's lives of distinction. They didn't assimilate. They didn't separate. But they found God where they were. And this is what God is calling to you and I, that God can bring forth his life where we are. They became career civic leaders, invested fully in their educational training. They became men of distinction, never separated their private faith from their public behavior. Isn't that wonderful? They didn't take the bribes. They didn't wink at sin. They stood and they found God there. They didn't bow to that image of Babylon. And God says to those who take this up, this is what I was saying earlier. We're closing with this. Jeremiah 29, 11. This is in context to those that will hear this letter from heaven. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says Jehovah. You hear this letter from heaven. You make this your prayer, your direction. I'll give you peace and not evil. I'll give you hope in your latter end. And that's the context of that promise. There'll be no peace for those who separate and no peace for those who assimilate. Only to those who say in faith, by God's grace, I'm going to bloom where I've been planted. I'm going to invest myself in my community, in my church, in my job. I'll grow my roots here until God moves me on. But I will be a person of distinction by the grace of God in my life. Isn't that wonderful? Let's pray tonight. This is the heart of God. This is a letter from heaven to you, whether you realize it or not, as we close out here. A life of distinction. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. Not assimilated and not separated. A life of distinction where we're walking with him. We're finding God 
and the dark halls of some of these educational and these classrooms. Some of you young people, take heart in that classroom. God is with you. They pour out all this stuff about God and and take it up. Let the life of God in you overcome the lies that are there. Rest and know that God has you there. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And know God's holding your hand in that. And he's going to lead you in your career to be a testimony for Jesus Christ. Can we stand tonight? We close in prayer. I want to pray tonight that as a body, as a people, we imbibe this letter from heaven. God, help me to grow where I'm planted. Help me to raise a family. Help me to be serious about my education, serious about my career. Help me to be the best worker. Help me to be the most honest person that deals with finances. Help me to be a person of integrity. Help me not to to slide into places of compromise where I'm going to be powerless. God, uphold me in this. I want to be like Daniel. I want to be like these men of distinction. Let's pray tonight. Hallelujah. Lord, you've planted a people here in Cork. You've planted a vine. And it's in this place you are saying, put down roots. Invest. Be distinct. Have a family. Love your city. And seek its good before your throne. This is what you're saying. Jesus, by your grace, by your grace, Lord, let us live lives of distinction. Keep us from living in a bubble of fear and from being swept away in the culture that surrounds us. Mark us out for distinction. Help us to see you are with us to take this city for you, to be like Daniel, to put you on public display in our lives and to have the courage to do so. God, this world needs to see a manifestation of the sons and the daughters of God in this sin-broken world. God, let us be gospel-centered and let it be us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit to be that people right here where we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. If that's your prayer tonight, I hope that it is. I want to live a life of distinction. In the, in the remainder years of my life, I want it to mean something of heavenly value. Amen. And I want yours to, too. I want ours to together. To see God touch our city. To see God touch our community. To see God move in the world around us by these lives that he's called us to live. That's the plan of God. That's the hope of God for you tonight as we leave here. Hallelujah. And the peace of God. Know as you go here, you've got a letter from heaven, a peace and a strength to stand where you are and to be a testimony for Jesus Christ. God bless you tonight, church. Hallelujah. So good to be with you. Let the Holy Spirit really give you that word tonight as you leave. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thanks for tuning in with us today. I hope you were blessed. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thanks for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.